Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, wife of one, the fun speech therapist, here to answer all of your questions, speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and everything else that falls in between. Guess what, y'all? November is my birthday month. And, you know, I'm not necessarily a tangible gift kind of girl. I'm the kind of girl that likes acts and time. And so here it is. The best gift, if you were thinking about a gift that you could give me, would be, I don't know, join my social media page. You can find me at Facebook, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, Instagram at Sharina WSLP, or at I've Got This Kid underscore podcast. Finally, you can find me at Sharina William One, and that's on Twitter. Next thing you can do, share the podcast with a friend. I want world changers to be tooled up. I want this message to continue to spread like wildfire because you know what, y'all? We're better together. And it means so much to me that other people are benefiting from this information. The third thing you can do is rate the show. We rate everything else. I'm like the biggest Yelper. I love Yelping good service. I love making suggestions for, you know, restaurants and places that could do a little bit better. But please tell me how you're enjoying the show. Tell me, you know, what could change, what I could add, or if we're just in that beautiful, perfect place. I love feedback. I love suggestions. Which leads me to my final gift option. Send in your questions. All it takes is you reaching out at questions at I've got this kid.com or you can follow me on my social media page, put your question directly there or directly message me, whatever works for you. And that's all I have for announcements. Today, we're gonna continue with the What Is It series every week. Have you guys noticed we're in week five and I've come up with what is it? What is it? What is it? What is that? Because either way it goes, no matter how you ask that question, It's usually some concern or there's some kind of unknown. And so we're going to continue on this journey because we've already talked about voice. We've talked about stuttering. We talked about speech sound disorder, and we've talked about apraxia of speech. And these topics are new to some of you guys and familiar for others. We're doing this so you can get educated so we can have more understanding and order for you to be able to advocate on sugar's behalf or help another world changer who may not recognize the signs and the symptoms, hence why we got to spread the word. So today we're going to go into preschool language disorders. Now, if you listen to the Milestone series, we stopped right around three years old. And the reason why we stopped is because I knew I was going to cover preschool language disorders at some point But I wanted to make sure to get through that series, have that time with you guys, break things down because that's my age, that's my my babies. And so I want to make sure that not only was it getting the attention it needed, but as we go into this preschool language disorder, I can give you guys the same attention to this topic as well. So let's get things started. 
What qualifies as a preschool language disorder? Sugar has to be between three to five years of age and sugar should not have entered kindergarten. Preschool, right? Before school. So sugar has to be between three and five and not yet entered kindergarten. And now they have TK. And, you know, that could be a little bit tricky. But to me, TK is in preparation of K. So if it's a TKer, I'm going to still consider that sugar a preschooler. They're, they're a preschooler on their way, right? And that's also according to age, because if it's a TKer who has one of those wonky birthdays, you'll have to use your best judgment. But in general, it's for the sugars who are before the kindergarten school year. What disqualifies a preschool language disorder? And this is key world changers. I need you to know this for all of my bilingual, trilingual, qualingual, multilingual families. Just because sugar is learning a second language does not mean that it causes a language disorder. That is not the same. And now what we do know, and this is some bonus material, what we do know is that sugars who are learning a second language, a third language, yes, there are sugars out there who have families that speak multiple languages. It's only us in the States who really stick to English and kind of go with it. But in most cases, a lot of, in a lot of other countries, a lot of sugars learn multiple languages. And what we do know is that if sugar is learning additional languages outside of their primary language, or they live in a household to where multiple languages are spoken, yes, initially there is a gap. There is because they're acquiring different languages and different languages in most cases, it's different sound systems. It's different rules that go along with it. It's different grammatical order. Think about it. In English, we put the noun before the verb. If you're talking about a romance language like French or Italian or Spanish, they put the verb before the noun. If you're talking about Chinese or one of the Asian languages, it's a symbol system. So it's all different. It's totally different. But just because it's different doesn't mean that sugar is automatically going to have a language disorder. The next thing that disqualifies a preschool language disorder is if sugar's speech sounds are delayed. And we talked about that in the What Is It series. Speech sound disorders are different than language disorders because speech sounds are what we use to produce words. We use sounds to produce words. Language is our vocabulary, the words that we have. So you can have a word in your vocabulary and say it incorrectly. That would be the speech sound disorder. Totally different, right? And so when we look at preschool language disorders, signs of preschool language disorders, the one key distinction between the toddler years, that 18 to 36 months, in some cases we could go up to 46, or excuse me, 42 months, but in our case, we're going to say up to 36 months. So between 18 and 36 months, that's our little toddler age. That's when we call it delay. They haven't met milestones. That's how we look at them. It's delayed. It hasn't caught up. But once you get over that hump, that 36 month uh, age, depending on the school of thought and in most school of thought, we start calling it a disorder. And the reason that we start calling it disorder is because we are looking at it from just a little bit of a different lens. And so what I need you guys to know is that it falls into three categories. If you listen to the Milestone series, then you know at least two of the three. 
which is receptive language, the understanding of language, expressive language, the words you use, the vocabulary. I just talked about that a little bit. And the pre-academics. Ha ha. That's what makes it different. Totally different. With our little sugars who are the toddlers, we're looking at, what was the third one? Who remembers? Pragmatics. Pragmatics. Social skills. The stuff that they do to relate to the world. That whole time, they're building that foundation, that pragmatic foundation to relate to the world. When you get to preschool age, now we're looking at pre-academics. So now we want to know something about those colors, letters, shapes, and all that other stuff that falls in between. Totally different. So here's the breakdown. When we're looking at receptive language, aka understanding of language, aka if you talk, what do I understand? If sugar is showing us that they're under, they're not quite understanding. They're like shrugging their shoulders or they're kind of nodding. Like, I don't quite get what you're talking about. That's a telltale sign. If you see sugar unable to follow directions by now, sugar should be able to follow multi-step directions. And yes, at this age, they're still sugars. Cause in most cases we can still pick these little people up and, and do most of the stuff we did with the toddlers. They may not have like the cute toddler voice, but we could do a lot of toddler-like things with them, right? We still got time. <laughs> so they may not be following those multi-step directions. Baby, get your backpack, get your shoes, meet me at the door. We're about to go to school. They might get one out of the three. They might say, huh, a few times. You might find yourself like ready to pull your hair out because sugar didn't even get through one. Those are telltale signs. The other telltale sign. Now, you just gave them the directions, right? Baby, get your coat. Meet me at the door. Get your backpack. We're about to go to school. The whole shebang, right? You gave them those same three-step directions. And you're pulling your hair out by now because you've asked them to follow through three or four times. And they might look at you and be like, what did you say to do? And you're like, ah, mayhem in the city. I'm going to get you, kid. You weren't listening to me. That might be a sign. <laughs> Don't kill them yet. <laughs> if sugar is not pointing to objects and pictures during story time, or they're not sure what you're talking about, if you're like, Baby, let's let's look at the little girl. She's got the star on her shirt. Do you see the star on her shirt? And baby is looking at you like, no, I don't. Mm -mm. Or maybe they point at something else. Or maybe they call attention to the things they do know. Because kids are smart like that. They know how to deflect. And, and it's just like adults, right? If you don't know something, you either ask a question or if you don't want to deal, you deflect. <laughs> so <laughs> sugars do it too. So you might see little sugar deflecting because they don't know what it was that you were seeking or they're unsure again how to answer that. Another telltale sign is if sugar is not taking proper conversational turns when talking with others. This might be the sugar who either avoids the conversation or dominates the conversation. Ooh, I got to repeat that one because that was good information. This is the sugar who's either going to avoid talking to you and you're probably going to be like, they just don't like talking. Or it's going to be that sugar that 
takes over and dominates. You can even try to interject. And he and then that's and then and then and then we went to the park and I was like, yeah, and it was exciting. You're like, okay, what'd you do at the park? And then we went to the park and it was exciting. And he and then the dinosaur and and it goes like that. That's usually how the conversation goes. You might even notice that they avoid eye contact, and that might be absent of another diagnosis coming along with it because they don't want to see your reaction because they know that you want information from them. They just don't want to give it or don't know how to give it to you. The next thing, the next thing, we've looked at receptive language, understanding of language. Now we're going to look at what are some telltale signs of a preschool language disorder with expressive language. Expressive language, our vocabulary, the words that we have that we use to string sentences together, our nouns, our verbs, our pronouns, our modifiers, the stuff that we use, right? Our prepositions, how we describe the world around us. That's our vocabulary. We rely on that. So the more vocabulary we have, the more we can draw on and communicate. I don't know why I mentioned that. That was for somebody, but that that's an important thing for you guys to know that vocabulary, the bigger it is, the more exposure to books, the more exposure to words, the more exposure to language, the more sugar has to draw from. And this is extremely important from a very early age. Why? Because if sugar is at risk of having a language disorder or they're at this, this cusp in the road, because preschool, you can still catch them pretty good and get them caught up. But the more language you expose them to, the better off they fare when it comes to communicating their thoughts and their ideas, and you can support them more in that. But if they have limited vocabulary or they haven't quite had that boom yet, then it puts them at risk of having a larger gap by the time they get to kindergarten. I'm speaking ahead. We're going to stick to uh, expressive language because we're going to talk about kindergarten a little bit later. So this is what we may see if sugar has trouble with expressive language. Asking questions. And that means simply formulating questions. It's not even just the asking questions. It's the forming the question together. And you see sugar's wheels turning. Or you might hear them say a single word in a question-like form, but they look, they're looking at you like you get that this is a question or you get where I'm coming from because they really are still relying on you to be that language model. And this is for typical and atypical, but like for our sugars who have preschool language disorders, they're really still relying on you. So they're going to kind of give you that shifty eye, like, can you help me-ish look? Because they do need help. Another thing that you might see with the expressive language, when you ask them to name an object, Maybe word finding is difficult for them, or maybe they misname it and you notice the trend that they're consistently misnaming things or they're calling it something else like maybe it's an overgeneralization. What do I mean by that? All the animals are still dog. All the colors are still red. All the shapes are still circles. That is a telltale sign that something's going on there. And it's not even like a little bit of confusion it's like, oh, this is kind of noticeable that sugar, they either mixing this stuff up or overgeneralizing it, calling it one thing for a whole category, right? All farm animals are pigs. No, they're not, baby. We got we to gotta help work this out. That's a telltale sign. Using gestures over words. If sugar by now between three and five is still using gestures to communicate with you, if they're still uh, 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 pulling you, tugging you, pointing at things. 
That is a telltale sign that there is an expressive language delay. Why? Because this age, they're still really interested in showcasing what they know. Don't believe me? Pay close attention to most sugars who are out there. Go to a preschool class and you will be stopped at the door because they want you to know everything. And it's all important and it's all cool because it's still mostly new. And it's matter of fact information because they didn't think that you knew that because they discovered it and it was new to them is new to you. So when they tell you, act real excited, like you never knew that the sky was blue or whatever it is that they tell you, because that's how they roll. Another thing that you'll see is difficulties putting words into sentences or the sentences might be out of order or something might be wonky or they might be using a single word to put together a sentence kind of the same way that they do that question to where it's kind of like, is it a question or not? But with a sentence and they're using one word that should take the place of a whole sentence, but it doesn't necessarily work like that. And so a lot of times they end up frustrated. This could be a frustrating trigger for them because if they're using that single word and you're not getting that, you know, that was supposed to be a sentence to describe or show or do or information was missing. They don't always understand why you don't know what information is missing in the in the whole little little paradigm. And so you want to make sure that in those cases, you try to use as much of the context, the world around them (laughs) that they're alluding to, to figure out what they're talking about. Learning songs and rhymes could be difficult for these little sugars with expressive language delays. Why? Because the memory. Sometimes this can allude to like memory or retaining language or the rhythm and prosody of speech and how it works together to formulate words into sentences. And so you might notice that they get the words confused or the songs confused or they only know one part of it or they've omitted most parts of it. And the way that we help them through that is we just keep singing with them and to them. We don't take away the opportunity. We keep giving them opportunity. Using correct pronouns like he or they, you know, little Timmy's best friend is little Mikey over there. And instead of him calling him little Mikey, he's calling her little Mikey and he's calling her she and and Mikey doesn't want to be a she. Mikey wants to be a he and Mikey's frustrated. Or maybe his friend is little Tanisha and little Tanisha is tired of being he. She wants to be she and it's getting frustrating. It could be a very frustrating thing. And usually either the parents or the teachers or someone around has to kind of help them through that and let other little sugars know that sugar meant nothing by it, but he needs a little bit of support. So show him some grace. These little sugars may not know how to start a conversation or they'll know how to start the conversation, but they might not know how to keep it going. This goes into what I was talking about earlier, where they may take over the conversation or they may say one or two things and kind of stop in the middle of the conversation. But you kind of both know that the conversation wasn't quite over yet. It was just sugar didn't know how. And that's OK. And you don't even have to say anything. And, and if you want to say something else, you could say something to the effect of, did you tell me everything that you wanted to tell me? And they may say yes and run off just to avoid a very awkward situation. But that is a telltale sign. Finally, changing how they talk to different people and in different places. 
So for example, I'm going to, as an adult, I'm going to talk to my elders different than what I talk to my children. On the other hand, I'm going to talk to my friends different than I talk to my elders and my children. There is a distinction that's different, right? You talk to your peers differently than you talk to your elders. You talk to your elders differently than you talk to the kids and the list goes on. Sugars in most cases pick up on this and they know that if I'm talking to grandma, I need to talk to grandma in a certain way. In our culture, in the African-American culture, even, even with my grandpa, like they don't play that. So like you, you're respectful to adults. Like you don't approach them like a friend. They're not a friend. They're an adult. And so you treat them that way. And that doesn't mean that your voice isn't heard. It just means that there is a level of respect. And so you talk to them in that way. On the other hand, if they're talking to a friend, you expect it to be a little bit different. You expect them to go a little bit harder, fight a little bit harder, advocate a little bit harder. You know, the respect level isn't there. (laughs) And if it is, it's different, right? But you also notice this is the other telltale sign of a preschool language disorder. I'm going to scoot away from the microphone and try my best to uh, model this for you guys. They have no inside voice in most cases. They are loud, 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 like outside loud, like at the park going free loud, like they've been locked up hostage for a week loud. Like, why are you so loud, loud? They're loud. And and you have to constantly remind them, hey, sugar, I need you to use that inside voice. Can you use that inside voice for me? Gosh, that was my ear that you just yelled in. And I'm sure I just lost a decibel or two. I can't quite hear anymore. Can you please use your inside voice? And in most cases, our sugars who have preschool language disorders, it's usually in not one, but both areas. They usually have a difficult time understanding language and using language. It's very rare. And I want you guys to hear me. It's very rare for sugar to have either difficulty in one area without having difficulty in another area unless there's another diagnosis going on. Do not miss that. I'm going to say it one more time. Many sugars who just have a basic traditional preschool language disorder usually have it in both areas, what they understand and what they use. The only time, and it is very rare, there's always an exception to the rule, but it is extremely rare for sugar to have difficulties with receptive language or understanding language and difficulties talking and using language unless something else is going on. We'll talk about that. The third area. The third area, we talked about this a little bit earlier, or at least I mentioned it to let you guys know this is the distinction between the little toddler sugars and the preschool sugars, because they're all sugars at this age. They're still little and cute. Pre-academics. Why? Early reading, early writing, because this is the time they're supposed to be putting it all together. This is the time. Remember, toddler years was the language boom. Now it's time to take all of that information and get ready to go to school. Get ready to relate to the world around you. This is the big deal stuff. Like this is the big deal stuff for them. 
This is what makes them different than toddlers because they get to put it all together and apply it in the school. So this is what we might see with sugar. That could be a telltale sign. If they're still not holding the book in the right direction, if it's upside down, if it's not oriented in a way to where they're recognizing that letters go in a certain direction and the words should not probably be upside down on top and the picture should probably not be on the bottom unless the book was written that way. In most cases, it was not. Usually we have the pictures on the top, the words on the bottom or some kind of combination, but it should be facing in the right direction. Looking at pictures and books and turning pages, if we don't see them doing that, or we see something like just they're still flipping and not really attending to what's going on, that's a telltale sign. If sugar cannot tell a story from the beginning with a middle and an ending, right? That's being able to think about these things, hold on to that information and give it out and use vocabulary to put together a start, a middle, and an end. This morning I woke up and, and then I got my shoes on and I got dressed and then I went, I, uh, I ate breakfast and I went in the car with mom and dad and I went to school. That's a beginning, middle, and end. And that's about what they sound like. And it might be a little more complex than that. They might give you some details about what they saw on the way. They might give you some details about breakfast because again, it goes back into vocabulary. The stronger the vocabulary, the more information you're gonna get. The more information you're gonna get, the more clear and concise it's gonna be. The more clear and concise it's gonna be that by the time it's time for them to start reading, they've been hearing and using these words. They're gonna be able to apply it to the words on the pages, which is why we read from the time we know that they are in our bellies. Yes, we do. The next sign is if they're having difficulties naming letters and naming numbers or they're not retaining it and you're still feeling like you're having to repeat it or it's beginning to get mixed up or everything is A or everything is Z or everything is this this uh this symbol and it's overgeneralized again that's that telltale sign that word keeps popping back up it's being overgeneralized into all of the letters all of the letters can't be A we need to have a distinction between the letters. There's 26 of them we need in the English language, that is. We need to know what each one of them is. So that way, when it's time to start putting the multiple sounds that come along with them, we recognize it and we can apply it. Same with the numbers. All the numbers can't be one. They can't all be zero. We need to be able to understand zero through nine so we can start putting together double digit numbers and triple digit numbers and so forth and so on. But if we have not mastered that yet, then there's gonna be some difficulty. Do you guys notice now how this kind of snowballs? Like if I haven't mastered the early things, then it's going to be close to impossible to master the harder things. This is why we don't wait and see. Finally, learning the alphabet. There's a difference between learning the alphabet and naming letters. I could pick up a letter and show it to you. 26 times, a different letter. And I don't have to do it in any kind of order, right? So this is what is different about naming letters and numbers versus learning the alphabet because it goes back into that A to Z, start to finish, right? And so sugar should be able to start from A and be able to name all the letters and not now we're not talking about singing the ABC song. We're talking about A, B, C, D, E, F, G and so forth and so on. And it alludes to the same thing I was talking about earlier because at some point 
you're going to have to put a sound to that letter. Important stuff, right? And so some of the causes of preschool language disorders, well, they're endless. The possibilities are endless. There's not one reason why sugars end up having language disorders. Some of the reasons are family history. You can probably look down the family line, not even in the household, but you can probably look down that family line and find out that somebody has some kind of either speech or language disorder. Really rare for there not to be one. If, it, if one has it, then somebody else probably had it down the pipeline. Probably, right? If not, if sugar was born early, premature birth, we like to get as close to 40 weeks as possible unless it's twins. Twins is considered full term at 36 weeks because it's two humans and usually they weigh anywhere between three to five pounds and five pounds is kind of big because if you do that times two, then that's 10 pounds of person you're carrying. That's a lot, right? And if you think about it, a big baby is 10 pounds. So anywhere from three to six pounds, but we want them to be like closer to four or five pounds. Well, four-ish pounds because that that's a good weight for them, but you have to consider it's two people. Why I went off on that tangent, I don't know. Probably helpful <laughs> to clear up any kind of confusion there because somebody might say, what if I had twins? They're fine, right? But if you're born early, we consider born early anything before 36 weeks. I don't even love 36 weeks for a single pregnancy. Sugars need those extra weeks while everything is pretty much developed during that time. Sugars do need that extra time because everything is refining by then. Everything is strengthening then. It's the difference between, and no, I'm not comparing sugar to paint, but it's it's the difference between when you go to the home improvement store and, and they have like the, the better paint and the best paint and like the best of them all paint. And I don't think they say it like that, but you know what I'm getting at is like, why have like good when you can have like the best, like as good as it can possibly get. We want that. So we want sugar to stay in as long as possible, not past 40 weeks because woof, woof, that's when they start talking about inducing. But we do want to keep their being born early closer to that 40 week mark. Low birth weight. Um, I don't always think that this applies to twins because again, two people in one body, we don't expect any parent to carry or any mother to carry two seven pound babies. But for our sugars who have, who were born with low birth weight, weight, the premature babies, um, the ones who didn't quite have all the, the time that they needed in your utero, because again, it goes back to, we want to be able to allow them that time to be refined and have the refinement that they need. Another reason could be hearing loss. Hearing loss, we know for sugars who are six months, that's where the distinction starts to happen. Sugars sounds are pretty much the same around six months, but then it starts to taper off differently because remember the pa pa ba 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 ma 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 is going to start turning into more refined sounds. And for our sugars who are deaf or hard of hearing, they don't always necessarily have that refinement, that same kind of refinement. And in most cases, we catch it before then, before the preschool age, but there are always exceptions to the rule. If you listen to the Living With series, I actually have a guest who talks about her experience getting a late diagnosis of a hearing loss for her son. And so, yes, it does happen. But in most cases, we know early. Autism is a reason. Now, 
Earlier, I alluded to usually there's not a gap between understanding language and expressive language. It's usually pretty close. If you have a delay in one, then you have a delay in the other. But autism is that one time that we actually see a gap between the two. Either they understand a lot and they're not necessarily using their language or they use their language, but they're not necessarily following through with the things that we ask them or they understand everything that you're asking them to do and they're carrying it out. They're using their language, but socially there might be a little bit of difficulty there being able to get through the day. Down syndrome or fragile X syndrome. Again, with these sugars, we kind of know in utero when our sugars, unless genetic testing is not done, we know in utero the diagnosis for these sugars. And so in most cases, world changers are already tooled up who have these kiddos. They know what's to come. And it's not always in all cases because I do know a few sugars who have a Down syndrome diagnosis and they are pretty spot on with their milestones. So it could happen. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Fetal alcohol syndrome. Drinking during pregnancy can really hurt sugar. Like we recommend none at all. I know different countries do different things. I'm not going to give my personal opinion. I'm just going to say that fetal alcohol syndrome can be a reason. If you are drinking during pregnancy, then that can be a reason that sugar does get a um, language disorder. Stroke. Yes, little sugars can have strokes. These are very rare, very, very rare occasions, occurrences, brain injury, that can happen in a car accident. That can happen during a bad fall. That can happen. Like there's so many ways that that can happen, but it can, depending on where the brain owie is, it can impact language development. Cerebral palsy. This is another uh, one that we know about once sugar is born. It happens during the birthing process. And sometimes it can mess with the cognition, especially if they're without oxygen for a period of time. Poor nutrition, poor nutrition, poor nutrition, poor nutrition. Let me tell you guys something. For when I need to do a show on the brain and the gut, because your gut is your second brain. What you put in your stomach is what feeds your brain. If sugar is only getting sugar, <laughs> If sugar is only getting, you know, processed foods, foods that are not good for them, not fresh, green foods that come from the earth, if we're not giving their body that opportunity and not a fruit, fruit snack, like a piece of fruit, like why give them an apple fruit snack or apple juice when you could just give them the apple, just give them the apple. So we'll we'll talk about that another day because that's something else that gets me riled up. And there's a lot of reasons that that can happen if you live in a food desert, if there's limited access, if there's, we can go down the list, we're not gonna do it today. But that is something that we're gonna talk about later because it can impact language learning. If you give sugar, sugary donuts in the morning, then guess what? They're gonna be good for about 30 minutes because they're gonna be on a sugar rush. And then when they crash, because sugar does make you crash, they're not gonna be good for anybody. And somebody who's typically developing can develop a language learning disorder because they're not catching what they need to catch and it creates a gap. Failure to thrive, that just simply means that 
they, for whatever reason, have not been hitting milestones all along and just not keeping up. And so these are some reasons. And no matter what the reason, I don't care what the reason is, we can always change the trajectory of things. We can change our behavior. We can change the way we look at things. We can change what we do. And that's why I'm here. So we can think about these things and do a little bit better. So what can you do? If you suspect that any of this stuff is happening, we're going to get sugar tested. Let's say it together. We are going to get sugar tested. We don't wait and see. We don't wait and see, y'all. We cannot wait and see. Sugar's life is depending on this. We don't wait and see. We're going to either get sugar tested if they're already in a preschool program. We're going to talk to the speech and language pathologist who's on staff. We're going to talk to their teacher. We're going to talk to their the school psychologist. Why? Because psychologists don't just sit down and help people discuss their problems. They're also wonderful people who help with different learning disabilities and diagnoses. So yes, they do more than just, you know, when I was two, I was blah, 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 blah. Like they're really helpful. And they're part of the team and they play a unique role. The SLP, the teacher and the psychologist, they all are wonderful. They play their own role. They um, overlap in some cases, but in a lot of cases, they complement each other because they're bringing something different to the table from a different lens. And so we want to make sure that an SLP tests sugar. And, you know, they're going to look at things. They're going to look at some tests. They're going to look at some stuff that seems hard for sugar to do, may not be hard for sugar to do. They're also going to play with sugar because guess what? Sugar still wants to play at this age. Sugar shouldn't stop wanting to play until junior high schoolish. And even still, like sugar probably still is going to want to play then. They're going to want to know, does sugar know what to do with toys? They're going to want to know, does sugar know how to do pretend play? They're going to want to know if sugar is following directions, naming common objects and actions, if they know their colors and their numbers and their letters, if they're following routines that you're asking them to do, if they know circle songs, if they're not catching it, they, they want to know how they talk to different people. They want to know how they attend to the world around them. They want to know if they're paying attention in class. And they want to make sure that sugar is able to get the needs met at home during play and at school. Now, here's the trick, world changer. Here's the trick. We are amazing as world changers because we know how to adapt to our sugar's need. Nobody knows our sugar more than we do. And so what ends up happening in some cases is that we accidentally start overcompensating without even knowing that we're overcompensating until either somebody brings it to our attention or until we've hit wit's end. And our overcompensating means that we're anticipating the stuff. We can figure out what they want. Didn't even know we were doing it a lot of times, but it happens, it happens naturally. So world changer, if somebody taps you on the shoulder and they say something to you and you don't get offended, you know, not initially, not initially, right? Hear the person out, take it with a grain of salt, get a professional opinion. Because sometimes we do not see what's going on. We just don't see it because we're so used to just doing and just being and living and life and everything is happening. And so sometimes it takes that extra set of eyes to see stuff and to help us through and help us get some support. And so the speech pathologist is amazing for that. The speech pathologist will also look at 
the reading and the writing. They're going to look at pictures with sugar. They're going to look at common signs and logos. They're going to look at if sugar's holding the book the right way. They're going to look at if sugar knows what their name looks like. They're going to look at sugar's writing letters and numbers, and even if they can write their name. And so world changers, I got some tips for you that can help you, like to truly help you if you're unsure and you need some support. Talk to your child. Talk to sugar. Talk to sugar normally. Don't use the same language over and over and over again unless you are prescribed to do that for a specific reason, but expose them to different uh, vocabulary. Read to sugar every day. Point out words that you see. Point to signs in the grocery store and at school. I even, when my sugars were little, on their clothing bins, everything was labeled. I label everything now. I still label stuff and they're old. But that's a great way so they can start recognizing it. And you're not even teaching them the vocabulary. You're just getting them to recognize it. It's something that they're seeing every single day. And it's a message that they're being sent every single day. If you're speaking to your child and they're in the house with multiple languages, whatever your sugar gravitates towards, whatever language they know the best, speak to them in that language. I'm open to you speaking to them in both languages, but seriously, just make sure that if you're speaking one language, make sure the whole sentence is in that language. And if you want to talk in another language, make sure that whole sentence is in that language. When sugar is talking to you, make sure that you're listening. Make sure to answer their question. Make sure you're paying attention to them because a lot of times, again, for our sugars who have that limited vocabulary and if something is going on there, if we're not listening, then we can miss the mark because honestly, a lot of times we need to rely on the gestures and the nonverbals to help us through. Don't let your sugar get out of answering questions. If sugar does not answer your question, do not allow them to deflect. Do not let them do the cute face. Make them answer the question, then have them move on because they need practice. They don't need to be able to learn how to become like Jedi and and play mind tricks on you to get out of that situation. We need them to try in that situation. Also, be patient with sugar. Give them time to answer your questions. If you notice that they're not catching it, then maybe we don't need to speak at 50 miles an hour. Let's slow down. Let's not get mad at them because if you get mad, then they get anxious and you get anxious and then it just becomes a snowball. And you guys, I know you guys don't want that. And it could be a frustrating thing. Also, this is key. And I'm not even gonna go into why, just go listen to one of the two episodes that I've talked about with technology. Please set limits on watching TV and using computers and watching YouTube and being, you know, in front of these devices or the TV screen or whatever screen. I don't care what it is. If it has megapixels, limit the time. Don't don't email me and say, well, what about the iPad? That has megapixels. Limit your time. Use it responsibly like anything else. Spend that time instead talking and reading together. If there's older siblings around, Utilize them. If you're busy, I get it, especially if you're working from home right now and they're at home right now and everybody's at home. That's why other kids are wonderful. Have them help pitch in, get them off of their screens too. have them start reading and talking to sugar and playing with sugar. Right. If you need a second opinion, let's say you go somewhere and you get an opinion and the opinion you're still feeling like it don't look right, feel right, smell right. Or the teacher saying, no, 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 they're doing great. And you know, something's off. Go get help from another professional. 
If sugar isn't in school at this point and they're at home with you, you can reach out to your pediatrician. You can reach out to a private speech and language pathologist. You can reach out to an early interventionist. I would prefer you reach out to a physician or a private speech and language pathologist, but an early interventionist, they understand milestones as well. They may be able to help. Also, this is the last time I'm going to say it today. Also, because we're almost done for today. Do not wait and see. We ain't got time for that. We do not wait and see. When we wait and see, and we're like, we're just going to wait for sugar to enter into kindergarten, you've already allowed them to fall behind. Kindergarten nowadays is like first grade. They're expecting these kids by the end of the school year to know how to read, how to do some math and how to write and not just say their numbers and colors and letters. They expect them to know that stuff in preschool and to come prepared, ready to learn how to read if they already didn't learn how to read in preschool. It's no joke nowadays. So please don't wait until kindergarten. Please don't say they may grow out of it. There, no, 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 no. There's always an exception to the rule. We don't want to be that. We don't wait and see. All right, world changers. I had an amazing time hanging out with you guys today. Do not forget birthday week, birthday week. Tell me what gift you give. Tell me what gift you're going to act on. Tell me if it's going to be by joining my social media page. Tell me if it's going to be rating. Tell me if it's going to be by sharing with a friend. Tell me what you do to continue to spread this word like wildfire for us to continue to become better together. We are a community. We are not a secret. And the more we have, the more we know, the better we do. So do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions on this episode or from past episodes. I could be reached at questions at I've got this kid.com. You can also post your questions on my social media page or private message me. And my blog is another way. If you don't want to do either of those and you just want to share everything I do, go for it. But my blog is another area that you can read up on things, find out some perspective, get the conversation going. I'm here. I love doing this stuff. It's nothing but fun for me. And I do it all day, all the time anyway. So I might as well hang out with you too. I'm just kidding. But no, I love what I do. I love hanging out with you guys. I love bringing these topics and this perspective to the table. So let's just continue to keep the ball rolling. Remember, we are better together, world changers. Until the next time, y'all, take care.